Welcome to the Program Pod, a production from the RCBC Podcast Network that offers a first-hand perspective from an RCBC student, faculty member, and employer. Hello and welcome to the Program Pod, a production of the RCBC Podcast Network, where we take an RCBC program and do a deep dive from three different perspectives, faculty, student, and employer. Thanks for joining the conversation with me, your host, Jay Varga, and for today's episode, we're talking education. And with me today, we have Bert Jordan, a 3 plus 1 RCBC inclusive education major and student teacher for Mount Holly, Professor Corvina Francis-Denton, a full-time faculty member and education program chair here at RCBC, and Dr. Neely Hackett, superintendent of schools for Willingboro. Everybody, thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having us. All right. It's good to have everybody in person here. We're going to have a good time getting to know you. We're going to share with everybody else, but as always, RCBC embraces a student first philosophy. So let's get right to Bert as an RCBC student, uh, you know, started shaping his path towards a career with inclusive education. Bert, again, thanks for joining the show. And you're in the final year of the three plus one inclusive education program, correct? That is correct. And I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. So how's the program been treating you so far? Um, I love the program. Um, Since a young age, I always knew I wanted to be an educator. Um, I really liked the program, how it really focused on that inclusion setting in the classroom basically making sure that you meet the needs of all the learners in your classroom and all the students that you will interact with on a daily basis. And overall, I would say as I reached the finish line, I feel like I am prepared for the program and ready to go out there and make an impact with our students. How how close are you to the finish line? I am very close. I have about three more weeks until graduation. Are you ready for it yet? I am. I am (laughs) ready. A little nervous to be a first-year teacher, to be honest, but it's all part of the it's normal. It's part of the norm for a new teacher and a new educator. But I'm excited to see the impact that I can make. So you're going to do a, fi- a fantastic job. That's why we're having you here on the show to share your story and uh, you know see where you kind of grow with that. But what was it you know about RCBC that brought you here in the first place, and specific- specifically to you know to study inclusive education? At first, it was to be honest, was the three plus one program. It was the opportunity to save a lot of money and still get the certifications that I wanted. Um, to be able to chase one of my lifelong goals. Um, I do have a twin sister, so my parents were very focused on going the cheaper route for college (laughs) um, because there's two of us. Sure. Um, So that's what really brought me here. At first, I said I was just going to do a two-year program and then transfer, but after being in the program, I fell in love with the collaboration with my professors and my um, fellow classmates that I decided to stay. And also COVID, it made no sense to leave. Right. Um, Right. But now reflecting on my four years, I don't regret staying at all. And I'm walking out with a lot of memories, a lot of knowledge, and very grateful for the opportunity. Is one of those professors in this classroom or in this room right here? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, yes. Get there. we'll get there uh, shortly. Um, so what are you currently uh, doing as a student teacher? And again, you're at Mount Holly, right? Correct. I'm yes. in Mount Holly. Um, I'm at the schools uh, that ranges from second through fourth. I'm in third grade inclusion. Um, in my classroom, we have 21 students. Um, eight of them do have an IEP. And in that classroom on the daily, I am serving as the lead teacher in our subjects. I'm also planning, um, working, collaborating with the other third grade teachers and my two cooperating teachers, a gen ed teacher and a special education teacher. Um, Outside of the classroom, I'm also still enrolled in college courses where I am preparing assignments for my instructors, completing work, and also talking to other people in my program to make sure that we're all on the right road, making sure that we're getting our assignments done and pow-powing ideas. Where are you finding, are you finding any downtime at <laughs> It gets really hard, but yeah. um, it's important as an educator, I do make sure that I find that opportunity because I firmly believe that if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be the best educator every single day. 
So one thing that I like to do is I do like to ride roller coasters. Uh, so now that it's starting to get warmer, every Saturday you can find me somewhere on a roller coaster with my hands up. What's your favorite roller coaster? <laughs> so my favorite roller coaster, I actually have two. My favorite is VelociCoaster at Universal. Okay. Um, so over winter break, <laughs> I did spend some time in Orlando. And my close to home, my second roller coaster is El Toro in yeah. Six Flags, New Jersey. I have to go on. Professor Francis Den, why are you shaking your head now? Because again, this is an audio podcast. so can't do- <laughs> I can't even do the one that goes around in a circle with the little kids. <laughs> <laughs> a little merry around there. Yeah. Um, actually, funny note, uh, King Ka. Right. Have you ever been on yes. One of my yes. favorites. So incredible. Um, and not to get too sidetracked, but I was, like back in a couple of years ago, my wife was carrying around like a, um, what do you call it? The, uh, the little, the purse or whatever. Um, fanny pack. Thank you. Thank you. The, the fanny pack. <laughs> and I was making fun of her all, like all throughout the Six Flags. I'm like, you look ridiculous wearing that. This isn't the nineties and stuff. So she's keeping all her belongings in that. Me just keep my wallet in my shorts. And then sure enough, getting King of Ka, we go flying all the way up, going down. And all of a sudden, as we're coming down, going over, you know, you, you come down that little the whoop-de-doos or whatever to slow down because you're coming you're going so fast. All of a sudden, stuff's just flying around by my face. And I'm like, what was that? And I look down. There's my driver's license. There's my credit card. I, I, I go to feel like my shorts. My wallet blew out of the pocket. She's, my wife looks at me, and she's like, who wants a fanny pack now? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I love your story, Jay. Now you're actually not even allowed on roller coasters with like fanny packs and stuff. Really? Um, but I'm actually happy that we went on this sidetrack of talking about roller coasters because um, since I love it so much and is a big passion of mine, it does come up a lot in the classroom. And I treat it as a learning experience for my students. And I basically teach them that in life, you're going to have some ups and downs. But That's while awesome. you're having those ups and downs, enjoy the ride. <laughs> and also, I also um, branch off of that and tell them, don't be afraid to take those risks. So just like you took that risk with that fanny pack, yeah. is I'm teaching my students every single day to take those risks, whether they're big or small. You're going to be a heck of a teacher. Yes, yes. I can tell you that. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to get to uh, everybody else uh, just a second, but are you, so are you applying the stuff that you're learning from RCBC? Like, you know, what Professor Francis Denton has taught in your class, are you seeing yourself actually doing that to your students now? I do. Um, and I actually find myself doing it very naturally without even noticing. Um, I'll give you one example. So one example is wherever I walk into a classroom or a group of people, I always start off with checking in. And it's very informal most of the time, but I also want to know what's new, what's your wow moments, what have you learned, what's going on. And it's just a way that I get to check in. And I basically call it, it's me reading the room. I'm getting to know the people that I'm about to talk to. I'm knowing they're, where they're coming from, what type of day they're having. Um, and I'm really getting to connect with my students that way. So why do you think that's important? I think it's important because it tells me and it helps me foreshadow the day. So, for example, if I know that I have a student that didn't eat breakfast, I know that I need to get that student a snack so that they can function for the best. If I have a student that really wants to tell me about their weekend, I'd rather get that over with before I start instruction because I know it's not going to hold them back. I also have a field trip coming up, and I have a lot of students that still didn't understand the sense of time So every morning I make sure I go over that countdown of how much we have until that field trip so they don't spend that whole day wondering, is the field trip today, is the field trip today, or they keep asking me that question. (laughs) So I'd rather get rid of all that stuff in the beginning and check in so that we're ready to tackle the day. Yeah, I think you're you're pretty well prepared. (laughs) Thank you. So, So speaking of time, where do you see yourself, you know, like say five years from now? Awesome. So I do see myself in the classroom, um, but I'm also always been a lifelong learner. So I also do see myself enrolled in some type of graduate program. Any school in particular? Um, I'm looking at Rowan. Okay. Um, but I think local in New Jersey. 
Um, to be specific, I am looking at a master's in administration program. That's great stuff. And I think I feel like every educator I speak with is always a lifelong lifelong learner. You know, because yes, you want to you want to pass that knowledge too on your on your students as well. Uh, so let's shift that perspective over to the faculty side now as we bring in Professor Francis Denton. Again, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks I loved wa- yeah. Well, I loved watching all your videos on rcbc.edu. We have a star in the making. I don't know if you if you all seen this or not. Because I was trying to dive in and check out some of the education majors, and then her sort of video all over that, and I was like, oh, she's got a great personality. You know, we had her on the Facebook town hall when I was producing that for a little bit of RCBC. I'm like, oh, this would be a great first person for the education as we you know we rotate the majors here on the program pod uh, every month um, so again love that passion but can you uh, tell us a little bit about your educational background and you know how you got led here to RCBC sure so I have a multicultural background um, I was born and raised in Jamaica where I did my first teaching credential at Charter Teachers College um, and then moved to New York City where I studied uh, special ed specifically special ed inclusive ed. So that's where that started for me. Uh, Left the island because it wasn't a program we had there and I wanted to explore that program and bring it back in some capacity. Um, Because of family, we moved to Burlington County and have been out here in Burlington County ever since. So with this uh, also inclusive education, was that uh, a personal choice with that? Like- it was. So uh, for my entire academic career in Jamaica, I did not have a single student with special needs in my classroom, uh, whether it's in K through 12 or higher ed. Okay. And when I started questioning why this was so, I realized it's because our teachers were not trained to uh, actually give or perform inclusive education. So part of what I wanted to study was inclusive ed, which at the time was not a buzzword or a catchphrase on the island. And so I knew that I had to actually leave to be able to study that. So at back then, and I'm, I'm not aging myself, but I like to say I'm 25. So for the students who are listening, <laughs> um, uh, it was come get it done and then infuse that in, in some capacity, which I still do uh, annually, go back to my old teacher's college and do training on inclusive ed for the year three, two and three students who are getting out of their teacher prep program. So what does that entail for the students that are trying to study that? Obviously we have, we have Bert here, but, but um, you know. There, they do. So until 2019 was uh, my first in-person training for them, um, and they did not have it as part of their program. Now they do. It is embedded in their program, and I still go back uh, this year virtually, last year virtually, to do the training, and hopefully next year in person again. Um, It happens on our CBC spring break, so uh, it's the only time I get to go home alone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Take a few days, and I go back, and I do the training for them. So... You when I when I was when I reach out for everybody for the program pod, I'm like, you know, they have a student in mind that you know could stand out uh, and share a success story because we were talking off mic before the show even started that students identify with other students, mm-hmm. you know, because they they get that that passion or saying like, oh, they can do it, I can do it, right? And you you get inspired. What was it about Bert that you're like right away? Like usually people are like let me get back to you, you know, and I was like I think I just sent the email, you know, all of a sudden it's like ding right back in the box. It's like what up? So, uh, so Bert, I affectionately called Mr. Mayor <laughs> during his teacher prep program. Um, we he came through the first cohort of students, um, and we had started our inclusive ed program before Rowan University. So we were kind of out ahead of the ball and 
Uh, there were changes happening while they were in the program and in the cohort. And Bert would each week come with a list of questions from everybody in the cohort. Like We have a few questions, and I told the cohort it would be better if there's just one email instead of all of us emailing her and overwhelming her inbox. And he took on this leadership role pretty quickly and almost authentically and organically, and the students respected him and his personality. And the other piece of what he brought to the table was the ability to almost always see the best in every situation. The building is on fire, and Bert says, well, at least there's a hose. We could put it out, right? <laughs> he doesn't go for the building is burning. Sure. He's like, where can we find the hose to put it out? So it's, it's personality, and the ability to manage that, manage work, and still be an honor student. He was very strategic about his work, very strategic about time management. Um, the quality of his work was always impeccable. Um one of the things that we use as an artifacts for the students below him with his permission are pieces of his work, along with uh, another student, Justin. Um, we also use pieces of their um, assignments that they've completed as artifacts because they were so well done. It's if you're looking for something that you want to say to students, here's what it is and here's what it should look like, I can almost always reach for those pieces and say, here's what your colleagues have done. You set the bar pretty high for, for the students that are coming along. <laughs> like, thanks, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> and and they come back. So that's yeah. the piece of it is I had them back to the class to talk to the year three students about their experiences. And it's just the glow on their in their personalities, on their faces, to be able to share with the students below them. Here's what we've done. Here are some things that you should do in the field. Here's how you interact with the principal, with the superintendent. Um, I, I We were talking previously about them coming in and one of the questions the students ask is, what do we do when we get into clinical experiences, experience next year? And um, I was saying to them, greet everybody you see with a smile. And Bert comes in 10 minutes later and he goes, one of the most important things is greet everybody with a <laughs> smile. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's just an awesome student, awesome personality. Uh, any district would just be any district would benefit from having him in the classroom and with students. Yeah, I got that vibe when we were doing the uh, the podcast prep call like yeah. last week, and just you know you can vibe with people really quickly, and I could see that you know your personality just shine through you know the video and the audio itself, and it was uh, it's amazing stuff, and I'm I'm so happy to have everyone here so far. Um, but for you know you were a student once too, yes, right, and now you're faculty. Was it everything you expected? So it's you look at it in a different lens, sure, um, and. Especially with the, so one of the things we have to keep in mind is that at RCPC, we actually have two pro, two education programs. So a, a lot of times we hear the three plus one, we kind of forget that we still have the two plus two. So a student could essentially come in and go through two years, um, transfer out or stay with us for the next two years for the inclusive ed program. And in both scenarios, it looks very different. So in your first two years, you're really training a student to become a learner. In your last three years, you're training that student to become a practitioner. Now you've switched mindset. You're no longer just doing content. It's what do I do when I get into that classroom? Sure. And so for me, on the other end, I used to think, well, my professors, they just take this leap that I can't follow. But from the faculty perspective, now I see the why. Why did we make this big jump? Why did we stop focus so much on theory and on practice? And, and in doing that, or being able to see that, it really changes the way I instruct. So I, I bring in a lot of life experiences to connect the pieces for some students who may not necessarily make that connection easily. I encourage all of my students, once you get to 60 credits, go substitute teach. It makes so much more sense 
if you see practical experience versus, you know, Professor Denton saying this is what you need to do. This is what a lesson plan looks like. It's different when somebody say this is how you talk to your principal versus your superintendent versus, sure. right, your boss's boss is in the room. What do you do? We have a superintendent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so it's, it's, it's interesting to be able to see both perspective. So you talked about establishing those relationships and those connections. How important truly is that? Oh, that's 90% of your win is human yeah. connection and being able to connect with all the partners in the room, especially in special ed. You've, you've got so many more partners than you would as a gen ed teacher. And I always say to my SPED students, you are a mini principal in your element. You've got paraprofessionals, you've got teaching assistants, you've got another gen ed teacher. Day one, if you're in an inclusive classroom, you're managing more humans than any other profession would put you in on the first day of work. So a human connection is essential. And being able to balance that, not just going in thinking, I'm the boss, I know it all. It's we're partners. How do we all go in the same direction? Right. And you would think it's a little bit, an extra layer in inclusive education than gen ed. Oh, right? without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. It's, it's just a different, it's a different playing field. Right, yeah. Dr. Hackett? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely different. I, I've done gen ed um, where it's your world. Sure. You're almost isolated. You're teaching your content and you focus on that. You teach special ed and we do use the term inclusion, but all of our students can teach in any special ed setting. So the resource room, uh, push in, pull out, uh, 12 one to one specialized setting. But most of our school districts are moving towards some form of inclusion because we don't want to have the students in the most restrictive setting. So you will hear us um, reference inclusion a lot more because that's where we're moving in terms of the law. Um, but it, managing that human element is essential. Dr. Agat, did you want to? I don't know. Get your your proper intro in a second. But um, while we're on the subject, did you want to? Oh, oh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I definitely agree with uh, Professor Francis Denton. Um, when we teach in a special edu education classroom, um, we need the most dynamic teachers. And I just first want to say uh, to Bert, um, you. Just sitting across from you today has given me this this just great energy. Um, you, you are fantastic, and right. your passion for teaching just illuminates as you speak. Thank you. And I'm going to just let you know that you're going to change lives. Yes. Those kids who um, are in your classroom are going to benefit from your passion and your energy. And I just want to say to you that I am just in awe of how you have approached teaching and what you feel about teaching because you're right on point of what it takes to be an effective teacher in today's world. So you're going to be fabulous, and, and I just know that I'm going to hear great things about you, and I think I'm going to follow you because I know I'm going to hear great <laughs> Thank about you. you. But uh, we, we need teachers like Bert. Um, teachers who understand the passion, teachers who understand differentiation, teachers who understand that you may have 20 kids in your classroom and have to work at eight different levels right. and still make it work. Everyone in the classroom has to learn the standards, but they're going to learn it a different way at a different pace. Mm -hmm. And it takes a great am amount of commitment, dedication, planning, and execution to work um, in, in a special education inclusion classroom. Absolutely. Yeah, I was getting uh, goosebumps when you were talking about earlier. there. I was like, I felt so, you know, it's like another proud moment. Or you, you, you guys say the, the glow moments, right? Is that what it is? Um, yeah, cause I, I mean, I work with uh, autistic uh, children for for the radio station, and it's, um, you know, I know you got to have that patience, and but that personality and that connection. But 
um, it's always great when, when when you start to connect and you really get that like that like you said that human uh, you know that human element and sometimes you can't really teach that it's almost just by trait as well but it's it, it is oozing off you you have like this aura upper has this aura. yeah you uh, but all right so Dr Hackett here's a professional little intro then we could have for you because not you know last but certainly not least of course we have superintendent schools here for Willingboro uh, Dr Neely Hackett so and obviously welcome to the program but how did you arrive to your prestigious position that you are right now. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. And before I answer that question, I just want to say to um, Professor Francis Denton, um, Bird is wonderful, but it takes a wonderful teacher also to prepare him. So I just want to thank you for preparing our future teachers and our future change agents. So I just want to commend you for your work as well. Thank you. So my history is I I have done the whole continuum. I started as a substitute teacher all the way through to superintendent, and I've loved each and every job that I've had in education because it's a different type of connection to the students, Mm -hmm. but I loved every single one of them. And just to follow on uh, Bert's um, roller coaster scenario, (laughs) as as Bert, when I was his age, (laughs) I uh, went all around the country uh, getting on roller coasters. Really? I loved it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. and, and about two decades ago, um, my body said, uh, that's it. <laughs> and so with Bert saying that the roller coaster, you know, was signified taking risks, enjoying the ride. For me, the roller coaster also symbolized the need to make adjustments. Mm-hmm. And in my life and in my career, I've had to make some adjustments. So my body has said now that roller coasters are not up for you anymore. Maybe try the Ferris wheel. <laughs> and that's been an adjustment for me. And so I began my career with a major adjustment. I went to school uh, for business logistics and then decided um, that I wanted to become a substitute teacher. So that was a major adjustment for me. Um, and then after substitute teaching, I went through the continuum as a teacher and then as an assistant principal. Uh, middle school principal, and then high school principal, which was another adjustment going to the high school, and then assistant superintendent of curriculum and instruction, and now I'm a proud superintendent. And pretty much you do everything, right? Um, I'm say, I, like, what do you, what's your day-to-day type job? <laughs> well, I have a great team, yeah. uh, but ultimately... Um, Everything that happens in a school district is my responsibility, from the lunch to buildings and grounds to personnel, finance. Uh, but it takes a wonderful team um, to help me do that. But ultimately, it is my responsibility. And that includes the hiring of teachers. Absolutely. So what kind of skill sets, or skill sets are you looking for in a teacher? We just want to take Bert and replicate him. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, But we're looking for um, teachers. Of course, you want a teacher who has the content knowledge. I mean, that is definitely understood. But, you know, I feel that when you have a teacher that has the passion that Bert has and, and the willingness to go above and beyond, we can work with some of the content knowledge. We can mm-hmm. provide workshops and professional development. But that passion and that willingness to go above and beyond and that that inner knowledge that you are here to change a life, I can't teach that. Mm-hmm. And so that has to be already inside of a person. Um, and through the interview process, we try to find is, is that person committed, dedicated, understand, does that person understand that they can change the world one student at a time? And if we can pull that from an interview, everything else we know that we can do through professional development. I think that's one of the reasons why teachers want to get into it in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, teaching is all I've ever done. Um, like Dr. Hackett, I've just, it's, I, I remember coming out of college at 19 and getting my first classroom and thinking, wow, you know, this is, 
this is amazing. And I was just telling uh, Bert, if I should retire tomorrow, I would have achieved my academic dreams of being a part of a teacher prep program and seeing them through to the end of that. But you're right, Dr. Hackett, there's some things that you can't teach. I've seen students who are excellent in terms of their content knowledge, but struggle with their pedagogy, their level of professionalism, and just the zeal to be in that room. And I've seen students who had the zeal, and we were able to teach the content knowledge and the pedagogy, and then become exceptional teachers in the classroom. So being, having the right personality, and one of the things we kept saying as we were, inter we're interviewing and talking to Bert is, I can feel your energy across the room. That is something that is so needed in your classroom. Your students feel what you bring to the classroom before they hear you. They see the smile on your face before mm -hmm. they hear you. I remember a student said to me once, you're saying it, but you don't look like you mean it, right? right? So you have to have the face, the, your Conviction. entire persona needs to say what you're saying. It's, it shouldn't just be your words, but it should also be what you bring to that classroom. Absolutely. And I think our students are the best readers of body language. Yes, they are. They are. They are very good at it. They know when you first walk in that door, it takes about two minutes for them to um, determine whether they believe that you care or not. Mm -hmm. um, they can tell right away. They're, they're so Absolutely. good at it. And so that's why it's important. And I do agree um, with the teaching of uh, pedagogy and content if you have the passion. I went through the alt alternate route program, so I didn't go to school for teaching. Um, but I had that passion. I knew I wanted to make a difference. And because I had great mentors, people took the time to help me with the content and the pedagogy. But I had that passion going in. And, that, and that's very important. I believe so. Um, so one of the challenges it was kind of brought up in our, again, our, our pre-screening or whatever, um, in hiring teachers is there's, and I didn't know about it until I was talking, until Bert brought it up, uh, I think in the original bio, um, is that there's a diversity issue mm -hmm. in, in the hiring. Uh, can can one of you explain that, or you have your own conversation? I'll sit back and I think there are three yeah. different perspectives. Yeah, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear. I'd, lo I'd love to hear. Student uh, first. Uh, yeah, student first for the and the diversity we're talking about is male educators in the classroom, right? K through six. Is that yes? Right? Um, and honestly, it's K through twelve, and mm -hmm. I think even including the college level. Absolutely. Um, so I would say, as of right now, the statistic is there's only two percent of black male educators in the United States. Um, where we're seeing that in the United States, majority of our students are minorities, but is not reflected in our staff and faculty. So right now there's a lot of studies out there and programs on the way and grants on the way to really try to figure out the why mm -hmm. and to try to figure out where can we go and where can we drive this to a different direction. Um, as of what I'm reading, I'm seeing that one of the big factors is first financial reasons. Yeah. So again, the three plus one program is a great asset for those students that can't afford to go to that four-year university, but still have these dreams of being an educator. I think I need to not to interrupt you, but I think I need to cut that quote out and email to my boss real quick when we get <laughs> later on. He's like, "Let's just play that, you know, for our social media ads." <laughs> you know, you're a perfect example. Uh, secondly, I think a big part of it is the workload that in a teacher prep program. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the course load. You're looking about twelve to sixteen credits. You're looking at um, some certification components consisting of praxis scores, taking standardized testing, um, background check, ed TPA process, and it's a lot embedded into your daily teaching, your daily coursework. Um, so I think the rigor that comes with a college program of teaching is also another factor of that. 
Lastly, I think a big factor of it is, and it sounds so simple, but I think it's really true, sure. that we have students that didn't see people that look like yeah. them when they were in K through 12. So they cross it right off the list from the beginning. I walk down the hallways in my school and I have students that I never even talked to before. They give me a hi, they give me a hey, or they want to give me a high five. And I think a lot of it is they see another male yes. or they see a minority. And I think they automatically feel a connection from there. Um, and those connections, like Dr. Hackett said, those connections help. Students want to learn. They want to be there. And one of my favorite quotes is, children don't um, learn from people that they don't like. <laughs> and children don't care what you know until they know that you care. Absolutely. And I jot down representation matters. Um, and for a lot of our male students, and the, diver the diversity issue is male but it's also diversity in general. We The, the profession is just not diverse. Um, it's predominantly female, and for that female, then it's predominantly white female. And for as long as I've been in education, it's a conversation that we've been having. I've gone through so many versions of, I'm a product of Rockefeller Brother Fund Fellowship for Aspiring Teachers of Color, and that's 2006. That's how I went to graduate school. They funded my teacher prep program just to be able to get individuals of color and minority in the profession. And you're right, for a lot of us, it was the issue of the finance. The prep program requires you to almost be full-time. If you're not full-time, then it takes six to eight years, and people don't necessarily have that time or sure. finance. And then students don't see us a lot in the classroom, so they don't think it's something they can do. They don't have the right type of mentoring, so they, they want to become a teacher, but there's nobody they really can connect with that look like them mm -hmm. um, who are actually in the profession. And then a huge part of it is this certification issue where here in New Jersey it looks different almost every five to ten years. I remember when I first moved here, Praxis was an average of all three um, subject areas. If you got the average of it, you would pass. Now it's you have to pass all three subject areas and then there is NTPA. Now we're arguing whether or not we're taking NTPA back. So just the certification process in itself limit male uh, counterparts. And then I, I think I want to just touch on one that most people might not necessarily always want to talk about. Sure. It's the financial issue. Um, a male could go with a, a BA into another profession and probably time and a half their salary that would be presented to them in the teacher in the teaching programs because teaching is one of the profession where you find equity in terms of salary. So day one, Bert and I, fresh out of college, BA, we're making the same money. We don't get to negotiate our salary. It is what it is. It's contractual. So it's not like your other professions where we know the reality in America is that male typically make more than female. That's not true if you're a K through 12 faculty. And I can almost say the same for most higher ed where you're not allowed to negotiate your salary. So that's a huge factor. Sure. We've lost a lot of teachers who say, I can make twice this amount doing you name it right. that that's just the reality and sometimes i think they don't value the actual that connection that you or you know the lives that you're changing is just you know everyone's probably brought or up or we that can too. just pay teachers better yeah well, that too so <laughs> pay how, them what they're actually worth and and yeah and we, and we hear that a lot uh, you know uh, taking care of educators because you see you know say professional athletes that the money that they make and stuff but the ones that are really truly touching their lives and that comes down to the classroom how can we change it? So there are a couple of things. Um, we have to think strategically. We have to be very strategic. And one of the things that uh, I'm noticing now that 
the three plus one program has been completed and can run it, you know, run itself organically. That one component that we didn't necessarily focus on was that diversity component. So now we do have students who've completed. One of the things um, we can do is start looking at how to leverage them. They are in the field, and I joke with Justin and Bert and the other male uh, participant in our program that you are officially our walk-in billboard. Um, we will talk <laughs> about you every time we get an opportunity. Well, go see Justin or Bert or Tyler or all the other students who've actually made it through the program, you can now say, here are your examples. And, and I think for a lot of times, we can't say that. I've taught in K-12 institution where the only two male in the building was the principal and the gym teacher, and that's it in terms of diversity. I've had students in our teacher prep program who went all the way through K through six without having a single male teacher. So we need to be more strategic in recruiting. Sure and retaining because a part of it is not just the recruiting it's retaining they come but they don't stay because they're not properly mentored and teaching is a profession that requires mentoring a whole lot of it a student who can't listen won't make it a student who don't take mentoring will not make it through a teacher prep program and that's a, a question i will follow up on on a second but dr Hackett, i want to get your thoughts certainly so when it comes to my level i think it's getting the word out so we've gone through the student and we've gone through the training program. So on my level, it's about it's speaking to as many groups as we can. I mean, anytime someone asks me to go speak to a group of individuals, especially a group of college students, I'm always there because I want to make sure that everyone understands and I and I speak to the joy of teaching, the fact of how rewarding teaching is. So I'm always speaking at different events, always encouraging my principals and supervisors to also speak at different events, um, speaking to alumni um, about coming to Willingboro or any school district, but specifically Willingboro. <laughs> um, so I think it's important that we continue just to get the word out about how wonderful it is to be an educator because a lot of people don't think that anymore. Uh, if you listen to the news, it's, it's not the most rewarding um, field, but internally, intrinsically, it is very rewarding. Absolutely. And that's what we have to get the word out about. So uh, I have a human resource director who attends all types of uh, fairs and, and we just constantly through our uh, social media, just getting the word out that this is a great profession and can be very rewarding. So if we could change one thing in educational studies, you know, going from Bert's level all the way up to your level, would that be it? I think as um, Professor Francis Denton said, it's, it's about now um, that recruitment, that uh, mentoring, and on my level as well. Once we, we receive these um, male um, teachers or diverse teachers, we want to make sure that we're giving them the mentorship, the training, the professional development. You know, research says if a teacher is going to make it, they'll get past year three. So that year one to three is the most cr the most critical part of an um, educational career. So we want to make sure we're giving them all the support um, that we possibly can, you know, throughout their careers, but definitely years one, two. Uh, two, one, two, and three. So I think that just uh, making sure they have someone to speak to, making sure that someone who not too long ago sat in their seat is speaking to them. You know, have Bert come back and, and as a teacher come back and talk to a class uh, two or three years from now and tell them about his experience. I, I find that students who see someone who, who looks like them and who's been in their seat not too long ago. I mean, I love speaking, but they look at me as, you know, ancient. Um, so I, I think someone who's been in their seat quite recently and just speaking to them, that would also uh, encourage them as well. Bert, did you want to add to it? Um, I think they pretty much hit it on the point. Um, <laughs> I think, and I say I plan on really going in and still being an educator to not only my students, but also spreading and sharing what I'm doing and that I'm in the field and that I'm loving my job. 
um, and also being that role model to others. Um, those in my classroom, those in my building, and those outside of my building. Um, so I really take it as an opportunity to spread my and teach others, but also take it as a moment of me being a role model. And I always have my role model status on. <laughs> like I do it naturally um, to the point where when I'm at a place, I think it's like a magnetic because kids are always <laughs> finding me and building these connections. And sometimes I can't get them away. But I think it's because of the way I carry myself and I make sure that I'm being a good role model for males and minorities. And hopefully that will help after a while, one child at a time, it will make an impact later on. Yeah, I, I just feel like we've been strategic about a lot of things in terms of recruitment for teacher prep, but this is one area that we've not been very strategic about. We, we can be more intentional. We do have programs that stake here on campus. EOF is one of the program here on campus that we could partner with because EOF looks at minority students. Um, we do have very diverse districts, so we have to be strategic about going back and looking at their Tomorrow Teachers program, or if they do not have one, can encourage those to be developed in those districts. If we are not strategic, then it's not going to change because our students, they won't just automatically have male teachers. We need to start pulling the students who are now in high school into the programs to kind of start changing that pipeline. So we're at the recruitment stage here. I mean, we can use this podcast, you know, the program pod itself. People are listening and, and doing the recruitment. What's one thing you, you would tell somebody that's considering a career you know, in the educational field? I'll leave it open to the floor. I would probably say try it. Um, get in the classroom young. Um, work with a group of students. I always say a group because babysitting is different. Babysitting is more one-on-one. -on -one, it's more of the home setting. But try a summer camp. Try subbing. Try being a sub-paraprofessional. Get into the classroom and just try it. Try it out. See how you do with a group of children. See how you feel. Take um, feedback from others that, can, that watch you and observe you. Mm -hmm. And really reflect with yourself and see if you can see you doing it because you want to be happy. You want to do something that you want to go to work um, every day. So I say just try it. Yeah, I always say uh, seeing is believing. Doing is even way more impactful. So you're right. Go into that classroom. Substitute teach. Volunteer. If you're volunteering, sometimes you might not you're not owning the responsibility of the classroom, but you're watching. Mm -hmm. And it's very different when we think about a classroom from being a student in that room to actually being an observer in that room to actually lead in that room. Go in the classroom and try it. We are at a point in education where we are in desperate need of people who are excited about teaching and excited about learning at all levels, teacher aides, paraprofessional, lunch, whatever that category is in K-12, regardless of your district, there's probably an opening in their school district. Go ahead and just take a dive in. See the school districts. Uh, the quality of the student's life is dependent on the quality that you bring to that classroom. If you think education is your passion, go see it. Dr. Hackett. So I, there's a quote that I love, and it says, a teacher affects eternity. Mm -hmm. He or she will never know where their influence ends. And I I believe that teaching is one of the most rewarding careers that anyone can Absolutely. ever have. Your ability to change this world is done every single day when you just by walking, just by showing up to work and walking to a classroom, you can change the world because there's a student that depends on seeing you, that depends on speaking to you, that depends on your words of wisdom and advice and depends on your instruction. And that student can one day 
be in a position to really make a, a great change and you would have been part of that child's journey. So I, I just think it's one of the most rewarding careers and you'll, as long as you're in education, there always will be a story of how just one smile, one praise has changed a life and those students will come back and tell you how you've made a difference and that keeps me going. It's, it's almost a 30 year journey and I, I love every single year of it because I truly believe that what I do every single day makes a difference. And, and if you want a career where you know just because you're there and you have that commitment that you're making a difference, then education is for you. I think we're seeing a glowing example right across the table. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of, of talent affecting um, and, and the rework is, you know, Professor Francis Denton already said she's ready to retire. <laughs> you, you're putting into retirement almost, but, but not. Um, and before we wrap up, I know I could talk uh, talk to everybody uh, a while at length, and we kind of already are uh, from some of the previous episodes, but something I took away from our discussion that we had last week, um, and I think it started with Dr. Hackett, and you passed it on to Professor Francis Stenton, and then back to Bert, <laughs> was these glow moments, right? Uh, is it glow or grow? Or both. B- both. both. Okay. Yeah. So, kids, I know you usually start out your classroom with everything with the glow moment or the grow moment. But before I close my show, I want to know everybody's glow moment for today. Anybody can go first. Okay, well, I can start. My, sure. my glow m- moment was really getting to know Bert. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart because, as you know, you're, you're doing this for 30 years and you're meeting new people. And just to know 30 years later after starting my journey that there are, there are teachers out here or future teachers out here that still have that same passion and commitment because we need it more than ever. And to know that you exist and to know that you're committed to mentoring others is a glow for me because it keeps me going. And, um, and it's, it's inspiring me uh, to hear you and to see you today. So that's my glow for today. Awesome. So today, Justin and Bert came back to my third year class to talk to the students. And they also made it known that they have officially completed the EdTPA, which was the final step in their teacher prep program. So very huge moment. Um, uh, That was the last, last hurdle, and they got over it. So officially, our first cohort, they're done. They're just waiting for graduation and the degrees to be conferred at Rowan University. I'm excited, so excited for them. Uh, he said that earlier, said, this must be a proud moment for you. And I said, absolutely. I remember leaving K-12 and thinking, when I touch a student, I just touch that student. And coming to higher ed and thinking, when I touch a teacher, my reach is endless. And at this point, I feel like I, I've I'm there. I'm, I'm right at retirement door <laughs> at 25. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready for retirement. <laughs> um, so I would say my glow moment today was um, talking to year three scholars. Mm-hmm. And I say that for a couple reasons. So I one of the big reasons is I remember meeting Professor Denton when I was in high school. So back in 2017 in the fall. Um, and it was an open house. And I was really just inquiring about the three plus one program. <laughs> And so one reason is it's nice to sit at a table and really share my experience with someone that literally opened the door for me and was so welcoming and really introduced the program in a way that really made me excited to complete it. I didn't remember that. I was going to say, did you, I, was, I, was, <laughs> no. I wanted to ask if yeah. you remember that. I didn't that. remember that. Isn't it amazing how that stuff works that. out, though? You just, you're just showing up for an open house randomly, yeah, and now you change his life that. forever. Um, and the second part of it was talking to year three, but also sitting um, next to 
one of my critical friends. Yes. And we call them critical friends because they're pretty much your pal pal through the program. It's someone that you're calling to get ideas from. It's someone you're calling for when something didn't go well and you need to really talk it out. It's someone that you're calling when you need help on an assignment. It's also calling someone where you just need some affirmations or something or them to give you that permission slip to go do something to take care of yourself as self-care. And it was nice to sit next to someone and, again, talk to your three scholars about going through the program. And we're really both sitting on the other side. As Professor Francis Denton said, we're both done at TPA. We completed the hurdles. We're on the job search. And it's so nice and rewarding. And it's really us hopefully inspiring other students. But it's also a moment of, whoa, we're like, wow, we're talking about us. Like, <laughs> we did this. Yep. <laughs> so it was very rewarding. Yeah. And I can't wait to share the story with everybody else with here at the Program Pod. And uh, before I wrap it up, is there any uh, final thoughts or anything you'd like to say to anybody that's out there right now or promote any clubs, organizations, events, something Just that you think? thank you to yeah. – so this is – this is a work of a team. Yep. Uh, Dr. Lisa Karangia, Dr. Um, Ana Del Rosa, Professor Kristen Edwards, the core team of this program that actually made it happen. We could have not have done this without this team. This group has been here with us since day one of the Inclusive Ed program. Um, and without them, it would not be possible. The students are here, but to have a team that you can almost always depend on is what really makes this program work. Um, I would say, going off of what Professor Francis Denton said, is number one, express that gratitude. So thank you to all of my cohort members, my professors, the whole RCBC faculty and staff, um, the Rowan University faculty and staff at the College of Education. The second part that I really want to um, focus on is something that I really kind of just summed up this year. Um, we talk about inclusive ed a lot. We talk about how I'm going to have a bachelor's in inclusion um, coming in three weeks. And I really just want to, I know some people might still be a little unclear on what inclusion really means. Sure. And Dr. Hackett talked about it, about how it's addressing the needs of all learners in your classroom. And in the fall semester, I watched a video that gave a really good analogy of inclusive ed. And I'm really big into analogies because it's just the easiest way to break down something that's so complex into easy way of understanding. And um, when I'm not on roller coasters in the winter, I do enjoy bowling. <laughs> so it really said, um, it tied it back to bowling. And it said that when you're bowling, you're rolling that ball. And when you roll that ball, ball you want to get them all down. You want to get all 10 pins down. And when you roll that ball, you don't want to roll it to one side. Meaning in the classroom, you don't want to just meet the needs of some of your students. You don't want to meet those high-achieving students or those students that are low-achieving. You want to roll your ball, ball with a curve. And with that curve, you want to make sure that you hit all your learners, meaning that they all get the necessary tools that they need to be successful with what you're teaching. And that's the easiest way that I sum up the inclusive ed. So no matter what type of education classroom you end in, Every classroom environment is going to have that inclusive setting, and that's what I'm walking into. That's how I'm going to walk across the stage with, I need to roll my ball with a curve so I can meet the needs of all my learners. I think you're ready to teach. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, you're ready to go. I'm already feeling inspired and fired up myself. Absolutely. That's incredible. Uh, Dr. Hackett? Absolutely. So I just want to say, um, just want to put it on the record, that if you hear that analogy in one of my speeches, <laughs> I, I, will give you, I will give you all the credit in the world, but you will hear that. That's an excellent uh, way. 
I um, to explain the concept, um, I just want to thank RCBC for the partnership that we have um, at the Willingboro Public Schools where we are um, accepting student teachers. And right now, um, our special education department and our teachers have welcomed, I believe we have 20, 20. 20 teachers. And so I just want to say that the Willingboro Public Schools stands ready and able to continue to accept uh, student <laughs> teachers. It's a great partnership. It gives them hands-on experience and allows us to really do what we are charged to do. We're also charged to teach children, but we're all teachers all the time. And so it's great to, for us to work with the student teachers and provide some in, hands-on instruction for them as well. So we just want to thank RCBC for the partnership. Well, and Bert's taken, though, unfortunately, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it's been such an awesome uh, experience here and sharing the story here of the program pod. And I thank you, uh, everyone, again, for coming on the show. Uh, as It's going to wrap it up pretty much here for the episode of the program pod. And you know, as I said, hope you enjoyed and what's going down. And I want to thank the guest again today, Bert Jordan, a three plus one RCBC inclusive education major and student teacher from Mount Holly. You're going to do an incredible job. Thank you. You, ab- you absolutely you. are. Uh, Professor Corvina Francis Denton, our full time faculty, uh, faculty member here in education program chair at RCBC, who's also doing an incredible job because we're seeing a success story yes, right across yes. the table right there. <laughs> and Dr. Neely Hackett again, doing what you do for the Superintendent Schools over there at Willingboro and sharing, and sharing your uh, expertise on the matter and getting all our different perspectives uh, here. But once again, I'm Jay Varga. I want to learn more about RCBC's programs. You can visit rcbc.edu. And for other RCBC podcasts we have to offer, including the newly launched Baroness podcast, which is highlighting powerful women of Burlington County, you can visit rcbc.edu slash podcast. And also be sure to subscribe to the program pod and any platform where you get your podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy those roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs>